from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Is it Wednesday? No, it's only Tuesday. Tuesday. So, so Tom Brady's practicing today then. No, Tuesday's an off day. Tuesday's the NFL off it's day. It's the NFL. It's an off All day. All right. So Wednesday's the Tom Brady off day. Yeah, it's the McCaffrey off day. Okay. So it's a pretty common thing I've seen a lot now with, with veterans. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And Steelers do it a lot. So to review last week, Tom Brady gets his normal Wednesday off because he's getting a divorce and he abandoned his family and he's a bad person. Oh. Wow. I editorialized that part. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> He's a greedy, selfish, <laughs> egocentric, bad person. I Again, I editorialized there. My bad. Okay. So takes Wednesday off, takes Friday off, and goes to Robert Kraft's wedding, right? Yeah. Okay. And then doesn't go to the walkthrough on Saturday? No. Okay. I think he just went straight from Kraft's wedding to Pittsburgh. I All think. right. And, and I'm sure he was doing whatever responsibly at Kraft's wedding. That's fine. Sunday, they lose to the the carcass of the Steelers, who have, like, three healthy players yeah. and Matt Canada calling plays. Like, you really have to try to lose. Their three top corners and Minka Fitzpatrick were all out. And, and it was the first time they've won with without T.J. Watt since he was drafted, right? Correct. Watt was out, and Cam Hayward was banged up, too. And they scored – it was 20-18 was the final? Yeah, 20-18. And also, Kenny Pickett got hurt, so yeah, true back to Trubisky. Trubisky came in, God, saved the day. That guy. All right, and again, Matt Canada is the one calling the plays. Did you see the clip of the kicker, the Steelers kicker, walking into the locker room? No, yelling at, uh, screaming aloud, "Hey, you had nothing to do with it," and and it looked like he was talking to Matt Canada. I'll send you the clip during the oh, break. Please do. It is glorious. Chris Boswell. Yes, Boswell. That's, that's my guy. It's glorious. But, that is my guy. So all these things are working against Tom Brady. Now, listen, you win the Super Bowl seven times, Dennis. There, there are certain things that are afforded to you. Yes, like a Wednesday off. And you know what? The owner, yeah, Bob Kraft, should probably know better than to get married during the football season. Yeah. Uh, if I could speak for, for Joe Ovius here, because since he loves that so much. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, so he goes to a wedding. All right. Oh, so he skipped the walkthrough. Okay. Maybe that's not the week to berate your offensive lineman. Maybe. But we, we got an explanation mm-hmm. from Tommy. From old Tommy. From, from TB12. All right, this is what he had to say for himself. It's a bad day when there's more F-bombs than touchdowns. The only reason why I'm doing it is to try to motivate them and try to get us to a higher level. You know, if I don't feel like we're living up to the expectations and playing up to the expectations that we're capable, then it's that's my job. You know, I'm a quarterback. That's what my job is, to try to get us going and to try to rally us. And there's a lot of ways to do it. And sometimes it's getting on people and trying to raise the level, the sense of urgency and raising my voice and trying to create a different vibration for the whole offense. Dennis, uh, I'm going to speak for you here because you're not a parent. Um, okay. It's, there are times where you feel like, you know what, I'm just going to yell at this kid. And it, Does it get you anywhere usually? No, not normally. And then there are other times where you try to say to yourself, how am I ever going to effectively communicate with these people that I'm trying to get to listen to me? And I would say to you, Cox, the best thing to say to sometimes is, hey, guys, I get it. I abandoned you. I retired for a hot minute. 
I left my unbelievable supermodel wife. I left my kids, who I allegedly love so dearly. But now I need you to block for me. Now I need you to protect me. I get it. I didn't practice this week. Sometimes you just have to fall on your own sword. I mean, far be it for me to tell Tom Brady how to do his job, but sure. I think I kind of will in this in this particular instance. You know who I won't tell how to do their job? Who's that? Adam Gold, oh. 99.9 The Fan. You can listen to him here every day, 12 to 3. And after every Canes game, win number three last night in game number three last night, here's two minutes of gold. I've got two minutes for two stars who were too good for the Seattle Kraken last night, fellas. Sebastian Ajo got it started. It wasn't a goal. It was an assist. Seth Jarvis had the goal, but Ajo makes the play. Ajo, side of the net, tries to get a little cheeky, tries to kind of stuff one in on Philip Grubauer. Grubauer was there, but Seth Jarvis followed the play, got even cheekier than Sebastian. Boom, 1-0, 3.35 in. Carolina had gotten off to slow starts in the previous two games. Not so on Monday night. They got off to a fast start and had a lead early in the first period. Not a lot going in terms of scoring for the next 20-some-odd minutes, but it did have a lot of chances. Shorthanded, Ajo and Teravainen had chances. Ajo had other chances. A great pass to Jarvis in the back door. But ultimately, the power play parade started in the second period, and that was all she wrote. Carolina had zero power play goals coming in. Ajo gets the first one from the left faceoff circle, a one-timer with kind of a whip wrister. And that's right, I said a whip wrister. And then Andre uh, Svechnikov picked up one on a great pass from Ajo. Just a quick punch pass right to the faceoff circle on the left side and Svechnikov didn't waste any time little snapshot past Grubauer that made it 3-1 Svech got to the front of the net and tipped in a Martin Natchez drive Carolina scored three times in 223 of the second period and then Jordan Martinook finished the scoring with a uh, goal with about five and a half minutes left in the third but Carolina was super good and their two best players Aho and Svechnikov were awesome in the game I will say this in the in this two minutes of hockey brought to us by Dysart Willis I think the second Martin Natchez penalty he could have used my man Christian Dysart or Ryan Willis he could have used one of them because I thought that was bogus an absolute bogus penalty but you know what the Hurricanes killed off the penalty so justice see see how I worked that in DysartWillis.com go check them out hopefully you don't need them but if you do you'll be happy that they're there Thank you very much, Adam Gold. That was two minutes of gold brought to you by Dysart and Willis. Canes win game number three, five to one over Seattle. Cox, this is some kind of schedule they got. Yeah. Now they were off this weekend, mm-hmm. which is the only weekend they'll have off between now and like April, like my birthday, April 25th. Something Basically. stupid. Now they don't play again until Thursday. I know you follow quite closely the Canes social media action well, activities. Yeah. Were they fishing in Seattle today? Is that where they were fishing? They were actually over the weekend they were fishing in Seattle. Okay. So I think today they practiced in Seattle today, and I think they're heading up to Edmonton, Edmonton. who they have next. So they don't play till Thursday. Yeah. So they do have a little bit of time. But I know a lot of them did a fishing excursion uh, over the weekend on Saturday. It looks pretty good to me. Yeah. Looks like fun to me. Looks like a great time. I mean, I, when I grow up, I want to I want to be on the Canes. I want to go fishing with the Canes. Yeah. Why not? It's great content. So game four is not till Thursday. Mm-hmm. Take on Connor McDavid. This is now 12 October games in a row that they've won. Something like that. Yeah. Not a, bad. A lot of them. 
Not bad at all for the Canes. And you know what else is not bad? Adam Gold has a Canes project, a Canes podcast project. Yeah. Most important date in Canes history is May 6, 1997. That's when the Whalers announced they were moving to North Carolina. It's a story of transition, heartbreak, and figuring it out on the fly. A special Canes Corner podcast series hosted by our Adam Gold. It looks back on the 25th anniversary of the team's move here, and it's available on WRALsportsfan.com. Wherever you get your podcast, you get a new episode each Wednesday, and it's presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Visit them at AluminumCompany.com. When we come back, we will check in with one of our good friends on college football, Michael Felder from Stadium and in the Bleachers. I have a question about Michigan. And I consider you Switzerland when it comes to college football, Cox. I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I know you don't have a team here in the triangle. Mm -hmm. I don't think you have a a, a team that you follow that closely in college football. Not really. All right. Is Michigan the fourth best team in the country to you? No. Okay. Is it insane that I have them at number seven? No. Okay. Well, and I trust your opinion. You are Switzerland when it comes to college football. I want to I want to hear what Michael Felder has to say because normally we don't agree, particularly we don't agree on Big Ten teams. So I'm interested to see his take on the Michigan Wolverines. We'll do that coming up next here on the OG. And I feel like I'm taking crazy pills now that I have taken over for Lauren Brownlow in the AP Top 25 voting. And I I used to vote from 05 through 12. So I voted for seven years. It was really kind of before Twitter got a little bit crazy. And you could vote and, you know, not not anonymity because people could find your email. I remember one time Trev Alberts, now the uh, Nebraska AD, had him on. He had me on his ESPN radio show to call me an idiot. It was very, it was kind of surreal. We should probably try to track him down and see if I can maybe return the favor. Uh, that wouldn't be very nice. Uh, either way, I voted. I voted for nine years. I knew what I, I felt like. I knew what I was doing. Now I vote, and I've got Michigan at number seven. And Michigan fans, you would think it would be enough to just to beat Penn State at home and be happy that you beat Penn State at home, be happy that you're number four in the poll as it is, and you know you have the, like the easiest schedule in the history of football. You think you'd be happy, but no. There's one person in Raleigh who thinks you're not number four. How dare he? And now I need my friend Michael Felder in the bleachers to join me here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. And we don't always agree on Big Ten teams, Michael Felder. But I have a feeling you're okay with me putting Michigan at number seven. I mean, seven feels still feels generous. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I mean, are we what are we doing? Like what about Michigan scares anyone that's any good? That's a great what question. What about what about Michigan scares Alabama? Not one. What about thing. Michigan scares Georgia? What about Michigan scares Ohio State? What about Michigan scares Clemson? What about Michigan scares TCU at this point? Because TCU is explosive. Yeah. And they're going to score. What about Michigan says we'll score 41 if you don't if, if you stand up against us, because I understand the idea that they scored 40 something points or 30 something points in a couple games, but those teams laid down. They got tired of getting hit. 
TCU's going to hit you right back, and they don't have an answer for Quentin Johnston. I I I realize we have to fill more time, Felder, but uh, I'm I'm very happy. We got I can go all day. Uh, but I'm very happy right now because I heard you on with Adam earlier in the week, and I'm telling you, my timeline is filled with these Michigan fans. You would think that it that somebody went to their home and desecrated it. Like you would think the audacity of this Gilio character in Raleigh to put us at number seven, and I have them behind TCU, and in part because I, in my opinion. TCU has won most of their better games on the road. It's it's kind of that simple. Uh, yeah. By the way, James Franklin is one and eight on the road against Michigan and Ohio State. So you want me to give you credit for what James Franklin can't ever do? Yeah, got no, it. I, listen, I'm got it. I'm on your I'm on your side. I just here's the thing. Listen, don't move down here and then act crazy. Um, that's the reality. Don't move down here and act crazy. Don't move down here and, and think that we're supposed to just... I understand what you have done before. You mean Bush and Butler? It's been a long time. Gerald this Ford? And I, listen, I, it's been a long time. And the big thing for me, and I'm not... And here's the thing, Joe, I don't... Dis, I'm not disrespecting them. What right. I look at the, as a football team, I see a one-dimensional football team. They remind me a lot, actually, of, of LSU when they had Leonard Fournette. And that was a team that could run the ball down your throat. They would shove it down your throat, and there was nothing you could do about it except when you could stop them. So if you have the bodies to stop them, now you got a problem. And everybody grades their own college football team against the teams they're playing. They don't grade them against the greater college football world because, and we've talked about this before, but college football is a regional sport. Yes. So... They don't know what anyone from the Pac-12 is bringing. They don't know what anybody from the Big 12 is bringing. They don't know what anybody from the SEC is bringing. They don't know what anybody from the ACC is bringing. They just know that in the Big 10, they've looked great. Michael, so Fel- why won't we? Why won't be the greatest team? Yeah, <laughs> certainly at that style. Michael Felder from In the Bleachers. <laughs> Before we get to uh, North Carolina, you played college Ooh. football. You you watch a lot of college football. And I was thinking about this over the weekend. This is an existential question. And uh, forgive me, it's it's a little bit like the uh, the judge who once asked if he knew obscenity. He, he knew obscenity when he saw it. When yes. you see good coaching in college football, you know it, right? But it, yeah. it's a little bit harder to define, outline the parameters. Bad of, coaching. Right? Yeah. Because I'm watching, I'm watching Carolina and Duke on Saturday night. And I'm thinking, wow, Mike Elko, first half now, he's done a really good job in that situation. And I'm thinking, you know what, Phil Longo, he's scheming some people open. That first touchdown from Kamari Morales, I'm like, whoa, that, that there was nobody within a zip code of him. That's in my yeah. opinion. I see that and I go, that's good coaching. Do you do you see a lot of this? Do you follow me on this? Like it's like you know it when you see it, but it's a little bit harder to explain to somebody who says to you, well, why don't you like Dave Doran, maybe, or Tim Beck? So, there's there's layers here. Okay. One. I was just giving I you an example. When you, just just throw you a name. No, no. With UNC, when we hit on that, I think that they're really good on script. Okay. Their script is amazing, which is First why time. the game starts hot, and coming out of halftime, it also goes hot. We've That's... 
That's not deba- that's not a debatable point. When it's the first quarter and the second quarter is where they make hay, they're, where they make they ha- their hay, and then in that fourth quarter, then you see coaching. Then you see Longo decide, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, let's try this, let's try that, because he understands what the defense is doing now. So I think, yes, offensively, they're coached well. Defensively, whoo, buddy. Not great, Bob. <laughs> and then we get to, we can go to NC State, and I think the big thing with NC State is they prepared for a year of Devin Leary, and not having him is a humongous problem. It's huge. They don't know what to do without him. And we saw it starting in the Florida State game, moving to the next game. So there's that. And then there's teams like Wake Forest who, like, this is just what they do. We're going to score. Are we going to play defense? Probably not. I don't even know if Clawson goes down to the defensive field during During practice. practice. Right. (laughs) Like, he's like, we're just going to keep working on this thing up here and who cares what they do? We're going to focus on this, which is a very Mike Leach thing. Because Mike Leach doesn't go down there either. But guess what? Mississippi State's in the top 25, and they keep cooking. So I just, for me, when I look at UNC and and I look at Elko, I think UNC is more willing to take chances. They're more willing to take risk. It's not like they played a good football game. That, that wasn't a good game. Third quarter was good. That was that's what I thought was Carolina at their best was the third right, quarter. And but, maybe that's to your point about staying on script. I thought the defense made a nice adjustment at halftime. Uh, but and then yeah, Duke adjusted after. There's the other like the counter, the counter, the chess yeah. move. Uh, I'm fascinated by Carolina, and I, I want to get to some SEC teams before before we let sure. you go. And Michael Felder in the bleachers joining us here on the OG Joe obviously is out today. I'm Joe Giglio. I just seeing Drake May in person. He throws a great anticipatory ball. Yes. I don't even know if that's an actual lingo, but that's what that struck me. That is the lingo. That's what struck me. This kid, super talented. What what do you see when you turn on the tape and, and you watch Drake May? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go three things. He throws guys open. Yes. That's the anticipatory that you're talking about. Okay. Throws guys open. He protects guys. That's also part of the anticipatory that you're talking about. He will sit a guy down so the safety doesn't take his head off. Okay. And I I love this. Yes. He'll, he'll sit him again, sit him down. He'll do that. And then the other part is he he'll run. He was like, you know what? Screw it. I don't have anything and I can't, I don't want to get my guys hurt. I don't want to lose yards. I'm just going to take off. Goodbye. And I love that about him. He's fantastic. I mean, this guy, are you kidding me? His, his, I'm, I live in I live right I live next to Quell Hollow. His he lives right down the street. Come on, I love seeing him do it. It's great. He's gonna be the number one pick in the draft when he comes out. It's early. I mean, it's early, but you know that you know what that draft is. It's stacked. That draft is <laughs> Caleb Williams, Anthony Richardson, and Drake May. Well, one of them's got Lincoln Riley. Which you're going to be, yeah. you know that that there's a curve there. But are all those guys tearing it up in the NFL right now? I don't know. I love this. And Kyle, Caleb's not the biggest Kyler's dude in the world. Doing all right. It's okay. I mean, he he has to hold up. In my opinion, he just has to hold up. Not a big dude. He's a little guy. Yeah. I mean, to me, you look at Drake's frame, and you look at what he's doing with his arm talent, and I'm yeah. just going, this is it, man. This is the package. Yeah. 
Uh, I do want to before we let you go. I want to get you a couple SEC thoughts. Are we yes. headed? Are we headed to the SEC apocalypse, where Alabama uh. Alabama wins out, Georgia beats Tennessee? We have three one loss SEC teams. I, I mean, it seems far fetched, and I know it's October, but it at least seems like it's plausible, right? Let me ask you, who's the biggest loser if that's the case? I think. Clemson, Are we gonna, I think Clemson oh. is. I think. I don't think they would put even unbeaten Clemson in over the one loss Tennessee. Do you? I I think that's the question because if we have an undefeated Clemson, an undefeated Ohio State, Ohio State, an undefeated TC, an undefeated TCU, okay, and then we have maybe an undefeated UCLA. Could be. They didn't sign this deal to have their undefeated teams get left out. No, and I I understand that. I don't think the Big Twelve and Pac twelve will end up unbeaten. That's just that's just me speculating. No, 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 no. But let's let's talk unbeaten. If they're unbeaten. I don't. What, so here's the thing: you you'll at least have a comparison with Clemson and Tennessee, right? We'll, yeah. we'll have some common opponents, maybe not Pitt, but definitely South Carolina, and that's going to sure. be the last game of the season. I'm just I'm just throwing this out there. This is how decisions get made. You look yep. at common opponents. Clemson now they've they've done better the last few weeks, but they're not a sexy team. You mentioned. No. When they play, if they played Michigan, I agree with you. I think they would ground them, ground them with their defense. Uh, but yes. they're not a sexy team, so that that you're going to factor that in there. Tennessee, they are a sexy team. And then Hooker might be the Heisman Trophy winner. I don't know. Which is that's it's it's going to be very interesting to see C.J. Stroud try to take the Heisman away from Hooker at yeah. this point. Yeah, he's going to have to. I think he's going to have to. We'll yeah. see. Uh, Michael, I can actually do this for the next two and a half hours if necessary. You want to take a break, and I can but, come back after a break. Oh, yes. Let's do that. Let's do that, because I, right. I do want to get into a little bit. I do want to get into a little bit about what you could see. I know you've been a big Devin Leary fan, but what you can see NC State could do to try to salvage this thing over their, yeah. over their last game. Let's do that. Let's do that. So let's do that. Let's, let's hit the break, and we'll come right back. Thank you, Michael. We are joined now by Michael Felder in the bleachers talking college football. I mean, I need to clip the first two or three minutes just for my own sanity because Michigan fans have been on me. Michael Felder's got my back. Let's talk a little bit about NC State now. They've got five games left. Devin Leary was obviously a huge part of what they thought they could be this season. Tears yeah. uh, peck muscle, just hit awkwardly against Florida State end of the third quarter of that game and is out for the rest of the season. NC State finds a way to beat Florida State, which actually was kind of impressive. And then they go to Syracuse. I don't know, Michael. It just didn't seem like they were prepared with either Jack Chambers or MJ Morris to really take advantage of anything that was out there. Defensively, they were okay. I mean, they obviously weren't good enough. They were just okay. Uh, but now they have five games left. They're 5-2. and two. They're obviously not winning the Atlantic Division. They're obviously not winning their first ACC title since 1979. Is... is is eight and four doable? Is some is anything better than eight and four doable? They got Virginia Tech, Wake, BC, Louisville, Carolina. The 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 two huge games there in state are obviously high powered offenses in Wake and Carolina. What what way do you see possible forward for NC State without well, Devin Leary? We we got to get this on the table. Virginia Tech is bad. Oh, they're they terrible. Are very bad. Yeah, they're terrible. <laughs> But and you don't follow state close enough to know that every year they play a Super Bowl. State does. 
my version of Super Bowl is your best possible game. And they usually waste it in a game where they don't even need it. So I could definitely nah. see them putting 40 up on Virginia Tech and be like, everything's solved. Look at us. This is great. And that's yeah. You don't. Need, you know what? You know what? You, you should score thirteen points because they're only going to score seven. <laughs> Save them up. But anyway, you're right. Virginia Tech is terrible. So that's one. But Wake Forest, Wake Forest, Ooh, and UNC nemesis. to me are there. Those are the big ones because I look at Wake Forest and UNC. Those are the games where they have to show up. They have to show up. And Wake, Wake, Wake. It's scary. It's weird. It's wild. But that claw fence. Listen, 45 points, that's going to get you close. You might need that extra tap to get to 50, to get the dub. And that's the thing that Wake consistently does, and I love that about him with Sam Hartman, a guy that feels like, like it's like they clone Riley Skinner and just kept him going. Like, it just we'll just keep going with him. And then with UNC, obviously, we talked about UNC earlier uh, on, the, on the previous segment. This is a team that if you have to score 60, they'll score 60. The problem for them is they won't stop you from scoring 60 unless, as we mentioned, you're Virginia Tech. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I think that Louisville, are we giving up on Satterfield? Is it done? Is that done, it's Joe? Kinda, is that done? I think it's at the right time of the year to play Louisville because that could be a situation where they are done. Uh, yeah. It's just a tough – this whole thing is setting up to be – a really difficult finish for Dave Doran and, and his staff because if those Wake and Carolina games go sideways, which they have the potential to do, I the worm turns yeah, quickly. Four, you, you know this. The worm turns quickly here. Yeah. Look at our, look at our guy Elfed. You know what I'm saying? Like you're you're, yeah, you're riding yeah. high in April and you're shot down in May. It's just somehow that, that's how the world goes eight, sometimes. Eight and four feels better. Listen, oh, if they go seven, seven and five, five. yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> six and six. Now you're back to Carolina twenty-one comparisons, which they they certainly would Bingo. like to avoid. Even with the injury, they would certainly like yeah. to avoid those things. All right, well, Michael Felder, I I, I don't want to say I only needed you for those five minutes because the truth is we could do this the rest of the day. But I appreciate you and your Michigan just take. Here's what, I appreciate I'm your out. Michigan take. I'm out. I mean, listen, I don't think Michigan's very good. I think Penn State's worse. Yeah. I don't think Michigan's very good. I do think Tennessee is good, yes. but I think the matchup with Alabama is a problem. I think Alabama's a better matchup with Georgia than they are with Tennessee. Agree. And realistically, this is we might have a problem at the end of the season. And it feels like somebody some puppet master is pulling the strings of why we do need a 12 team playoff because if we end up with the three one-loss SEC teams, plus TCU, plus Clemson, plus Ohio State, they're going to prove me wrong when I'm like, there's never four teams that are that good. So, yeah, I'm going to get out of here. You go do your thing. Whew. All right. I'm ready for the apocalypse. Felder, Michael Felder in the bleachers. Appreciate you taking some time. If you missed any of that conversation, you can catch it on the best of the OG podcast, Apple, Spotify, the Googles, you name it. Michael, thank you so much for your time. Y'all take it easy. This is the OG. I'm Joe Giglio. And just to finish on a college football note, I'm fascinated by Nick Saban, Alabama's coach, because he he is, in my opinion, the best college football coach of all time. And he is a perfectionist. And he is the, to me... He is the personification of someone 
who gets it. And that is you can't just do something in college football in particular and not think anyone is scouting you and not understand that all of the things you put on tape, somebody's going through and pouring through it and trying to find the faults. So if if they're doing that, then you should do that. And I thought he had a great message. A lot of times with Nick Saban, I, you can tell when he's actually talking to his team. And this was one of those moments in this week's press conference where he's literally trying to explain, guys, we have to get better, and this is why. We can't continue to tolerate guys that aren't doing the things they need to do to be successful. You know, nobody's entitled to a position. You know, everybody's earned the position that they're in by showing that they have the capability and the ability to do it on a consistent basis. And uh, that's something that you have to continue. And the grind of the season, being in the middle of the season, being a little bit hurt, tired, whatever, can't lose your focus on doing the things you need to do to continue to improve and get better because other people are looking at your flaws too. So, you know, I told the, the players a little story about, you know, a carpenter has a special light that he finished carpenter to see if the wood is exactly what he wants it to be. He's looking for flaws in the wood. Well, people are looking for flaws in you, right? Whether it's how you block, how you tackle, how you cover, whatever it is you do, um, how we cover punts, wh whatever it is we do. And we have to be aware of that and know that we need to correct these things all right, so they don't become issues for us in the future. It's Nick Saban, Alabama coach. Obviously, they lose to Tennessee 52-49. And you, you think to yourself, man, wow, Alabama, they struggle with Texas A&M. They struggle with Texas. They're not that good. And you're like, yeah, but the kill shot that was required on Saturday in Tennessee, you know, the penalty, the pass, the, the pass interference penalty that wipes out an interception, I will go to my grave arguing that flag is not thrown in Tuscaloosa. And, and Nick Saban could have easily sat there and, and whined about the officiating, could have easily sat there and whined about his defense, but he didn't. And I think that's why you see the consistent excellence out of Nick Saban because he realizes, yeah, we have flaws. We need to fix our flaws. Did you know, did you know that Alabama is the most penalized team in college football this year? Yeah, pretty uncharacteristic. I, I would say this when I'm, I'm asking Michael Felder about what, is a, what does a well-coached team look like to you? It's one that doesn't commit procedural penalties straight up i mean that's one of the standards i look at and you look at dave Kloss and you look at wake forest they're pretty high on that list of least penalized teams so it was surprising to me to see alabama as the most penalized team in college football this year you can bet nick saban will be working on that at wake med my care 365 we deliver convenience others only talk about every day of the year primary care and urgent care under one roof Multiple locations, virtual visits, walk-in or schedule an appointment online. From annual physicals and routine care to sinus infection, strep, or the flu, we couldn't be more convenient. Learn more about our kind of care and our kind of convenience at wakemed.org.